0: Welcome to episode number 134. I'm recording this introduction from Death Valley, California, and Death Valley National Park. This week's episode is brought to you by Teton County Solid Waste and Recycling. Remember to reduce, reuse, recycle, and even compost whenever you have an opportunity. Remember to take those reusable bags whenever shopping to reduce single-use shopping bags. My guest today is Jeremy Tofty, Kung Fu master, hip hop extraordinaire. Jeremy started off here in Jackson Hole as a couch surfer, ski bum, and just any type of bum. He came out here to follow some friends, and next thing you know, he started an international beer brand. That's right, Melbourne Brewing Company is the brainchild of Jeremy Tofty. Jeremy landed here in Jackson Hole with nothing. That's right, probably nothing, maybe his car. And he is built up from owning a restaurant, Tie Me Up. That's right, Tie Me Up Thai restaurant to the internationally recognized Melvin Brewing Company. Jeremy's gonna share with us the importance of having a mentor in his life and how that's helped develop him into a better person and business person. What inspires me about Jeremy is his desire to always follow his passion. He never gave up. He did not listen to the pundits and ensured that he stuck with what he wanted to do. So listen up today, you'll learn something from Jeremy. He might not say it in exact words, but his messaging will certainly inspire you to get out there, get off your butt, and do something that's gonna change the world. Because in the world of beer and the world of happiness, Jeremy has certainly done that. Hey, Jeremy, thanks for coming and joining me here at the Jackson Hole Connection. It's an honor and a delight to have you you. as a guest. Yeah, man. Good to see you again. It it is very good to see you again. It's been quite some time uh, since we got to see each other. You've been busy. I haven't been. Let's let's start off so everybody can hear who you are. What is your connection to Jackson? How did you
1: land in this place that we call home? Yeah. Let's do that. A typical story it ended came up here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, and, yeah, it came via be car. And, uh, my friend hub had a room for rent mm-hmm. actually it was just a couch and I was living in Salt Lake city in my Volkswagen bus. And I just wasn't f- liking it that much down there. That's probably like 22, 23. And I just wanted to snowboard like everyone else that I knew at the time. And I called his mom in Oceanside, California, and said, hey, where's Hub? She said, he's in Jackson Hole. And I was like, oh, I've heard of that somewhere. I know that name. And I was in Salt Lake, and, you you know, when you're in, living in your van back in those days, before vans were like van life kind of vans, mm-hmm. you spend a lot of time in laundromats and libraries. <laughs> and so, because it was warm, you know, you'd go snowboarding and then go to the laundromat to keep warm or dry your boots or go to a, a library. So I went to a library, and I looked on a map where Jackson Hole was. And I was like, wow, that's like four hours away. So I set up a time with the number she gave me, which is actually was the Simpson house phone number seven three three six eight one two, and which back then I guess was just six eight one two. And so <laughs> right. I, I called that number and said, hey, I need to speak to Hub. And someone said, well, we'll make sure that he's here tomorrow at seven o'clock. And so I called. cell phone. Yeah. Never be first. Well, there probably weren't but so I called called back the next day at seven p.m. and he's like, yeah, man, my roommate just left last night, middle of the night, didn't pay rent. Come on up. So I was up like four hours later and pulled into town, had never been here before, just expected to be here for a year. And I've uh, never left. Well, I left twice. What year was that? Maybe 95. No kidding. Yeah.
0: And where'd you grow up?
1: Uh, born in Montana uh-huh. and then grew up in Western Washington in this little town called Mount Vermin.
0: Um, never heard of
1: it. No, that's, that's okay. <laughs> it's, uh, it's now like maybe a suburb of Seattle. We're like an hour north of Seattle. Mm-hmm. And half an hour south of Bellingham. Okay. So I grew up riding Mount Baker, which is a phenomenal mountain.
0: So you moved up here, um, <laughs> live on Hub's couch, who mm-hmm. now has his own business as well. Yep. Jackson Hole handyman. Yep. Which he's done some work for us, and he's an awesome dude.
1: He's the stoke broker. <laughs> for her, that's his, he's got a website called the no kidding yeah we which he's going to develop he just wants to stoke people out. okay and it's just a great way to live life
0: so you moved here and you said what 95 mm-hmm. 1995 well that's a few years before me and what did you do when you first moved here those few years before you got into what you're doing now
1: well the first thing i did was get on the tram Okay.
0: <laughs> Next day on the train. So I'm
1: like, this is so cool. It just takes you right to the top. And <laughs> it probably cost you less than $100. Yeah, I think, was, I think it was $2. Okay, yeah. Yeah. It, might have been. <laughs> it was like the $2 tickets. Right. And uh, yeah, then we, I lived in his house, which is where the tunnel is now in Snow King. It's an old house that used to be right on top of that. Yeah, I remember that. And we lived in some lady's basement mm-hmm. and we were 22, 23, so that didn't last long. And she kicked us out a couple months later. We weren't, you know, loud partiers. We just, I had a bass, he had drums. You know, we we were forming our band. And uh, we had this Australian kid moving in with us. And this Australian kid, we're still friends with him, actually went to be his manny for his kids in Australia for a couple months. And yeah, we got kicked out of that place. I was working at Snow King selling concessions. So I could snowboard to work and snowboard back to work when I got off work at the village, or snowboarding at the village and yeah, we just had a good time. Drank a lot of Zonker Stout and snowboarded. You know, I think and I hope that is what everyone that is our that is in their early twenties is doing in this town now. And I think, I think a lot of them are. I think so. It's, good. it's so good yeah. to see. It's so good to see the Stoke still alive.
0: And I'm not gonna say that you grew up because I don't think any of us ever grow up. Mm-hmm. But. You got serious about life in some ways. I did yeah. You started a business. Mm-hmm. What, was your fir- what was your first business to start?
1: I guess my first business was selling um, breakfast burritos and tram line. No kidding. Yeah, for $5. So if you remember that, that was me. Mm-hmm. And because I only had a weekday pass, the weekday Wrangler. Uh-huh. So I was selling breakfast burritos. I was living in the Simpson house, and I'd make them at night, have them in the oven overnight, go out there with a the cooler, and just get in tram lines on Saturdays and Sundays, and sell burritos nice and uh, I was a hardcore vegetarian back then mm-hmm. so they're all vegetarian and yeah I always knew I wanted to start a restaurant so I wanted to do a Mexican restaurant so I tried to work at Mama Inez and no
0: kidding yeah okay. I like
1: applied there like three or four times couldn't seem to get in hmm. and then as kind of time went on I uh, started homebrewing yeah you know I started homebrewing actually in Bend Oregon and junior, junior college when I was 19 but when I lived here I started getting real about homebrewing and getting more professional, getting a better setup, better systems. And there was no internet back then, so I just went to Snake River Brewery five nights a week. So I'd go there in the day, they'd give me ingredients, give me tips, mm. and you know, taste test my beer and tell me what, it, what I did right, what I did wrong, and uh, yeah, I just kept on learning, and then I realized I wanted to be a pro brewer, so why not move to Portland, Oregon, where there's the most breweries per capita at the time? At the time, there was 33 breweries in Portland. Now I bet there's a couple hundred. What was that? Uh, 98. Okay. Yeah, I applied at every single brewery and got a job at Norwester Brewery, fastest growing brewery of all time, or second most after Nekasi, and New Belgium, and Melbourne's number four on that list. Cool. So that was kind of cool in the first two years. And, uh, yeah, started just learning the trade, and I uh, finished my degree at Portland State University. Oh, yeah? Which is like a community college, except you get a four-year degree. Nice. It's like the biggest biggest trick in the collegiate world is you can get a real degree from Portland State.
0: And what did you get your degree in?
1: Uh, They wouldn't let me into business school. And so then I went to environmental science. And then I found out how hard that was. And I was like, I just want to move back to Jackson Hole and snowboard (laughs) and start a a brewery. So I switched my major over a weekend. You take like the big catalogs home Mm -hmm. and do all the math. And I'm like, okay, if I become a sociology major, I can graduate this year. Nice. So I just switched to sociology, graduated, and uh because my parents are from the 50s and like the biggest thing in their life is my kids got to go to college Mm -hmm. and graduate (laughs) you know and being that next generation that's like i don't know if college is really that important anymore that's for some people yeah depends
0: on what you do Mm -hmm. you know if it's important or not yeah how's that beer
1: so good i'm drinking a new melvin juice theorem ipa
0: what's the ap on that
1: seven percent nice yeah
0: juice Theorem. you have to tell us about that i want to hear more to the point that you get to starting Melvin. Mm,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Because then you came in, you had a Thai restaurant. Well, you have a Thai do, restaurant. Yeah. yeah. So you got your 40 year degree mm-hmm. from the junior college. Yep. Yeah.
1: And then <laughs> moved back here and uh, moved into a house called the Rat Box, 245 East Pearl. It's still there. Note. Uh, the rat box. Mm-hmm. Guys. See, Andy, okay. Car- Andy Carson and Jim Roscoe run that whole compound, and it's one of the last places I know of in town where you can actually have more than afford to live. I mean, we were paying $150 a per month rent. Same at the Simpson house, which I, I believe is still just rock bottom prices because the landlords are all about community and they want to give, you know, people like us that want to put in our time in Jackson a chance to get ahead. And they really did. I mean, I lived in the wrap box for seven years. Um, He'd let us pay all of our rent in August when we had money. So, no kidding. Yep. Yeah, so year. yeah. So thank you, Jim Roscoe and Andy Carson. And we had a band room as well in there. But yeah, I was working at this restaurant called, oh man, Hot or Not Deli. And that turned into some kind of barbecue place. And when they went out of business, I went to the landlord and said, Hey, can I have this space? I want to start a Thai restaurant. Mm-hmm. They didn't know what Thai food was. And I just kept on talking to him. Like Every month or two, I'd go in there and say, I'd really like to start a restaurant here. And finally, in June, 2000, he said, if you can pay me rent by, I think, December 1st, you can have the spot. So he gave me the first three months free. Everything I needed to start a restaurant was in there. I had to get a couple pieces of equipment, and I was just right place, right time with the right idea. I knew what I wanted to do, and I just wanted to start the Thai restaurant because I needed to prove to investors that I could run a business because my real goal was to start a brewery. So I figured if I start this Thai restaurant, it's successful, I can get money for a brewery. Because breweries, you know, you can't really afford them just by working hard. You gotta usually get other people's money, as is the case with Melvin. Yeah, and I just busted my ass for six years, and made it successful and it worked and, and it's called what again what's that what's the name of it the restaurant yeah timey up oh yeah time me, time up. me up yeah yeah <laughs> you got it totally I forgot i know <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so every thai restaurant in town spawns from timey up like there's a whole family tree that comes from time Me up and it goes to really every single one yeah were
0: you the first thai restaurant in town
1: yeah eric henderson was actually um handy. uh-huh was doing a Thai restaurant out of Shades Cafe oh, okay. for a summer like every Saturday. Mm-hmm. And you could go in there and get like curries and stuff. Uh-huh. But I guess, yeah, the first, and I heard there was an Indian place called Curry in a Hurry <laughs> like a year before I got here. <laughs> That's cute. But uh, as far as I know, yes, Time Me Up, first Thai restaurant. Okay, congrats. Yeah, it was a good time and nobody knew what we what it was. And I think the the bigger thing that Time Me Up introduced to Jackson, and some people are never gonna understand this or believe it, We played music during dinner service. What? They're like, can you please turn this music off? We're like, no, it's it's part of the atmosphere and the ambiance. Oh man, I think it was like Thievery Corporation and Saint Germain, like all the cool kid stuff back in 2000.
0: Did you have your Kung Fu bar?
1: Yeah, we had that time too. Yeah, we had Kung Fu and
0: (laughs) so so explain the Kung Fu bar that you have.
1: So yeah, we play Kung Fu and mostly hip hop at the restaurant. Because as any entrepreneur out there knows, if you're gonna be working 15 days, or 15 hour days, seven days a week, you might as well like, make it somewhere that you wanna be, mm-hmm. and somewhere that, that you like. I really like kung fu movies, and I really like hip hop. Mm-hmm. And so I could handle being there 15, 16 hours a day, <laughs> and anyone that worked for me back then, you remember me, I was there every single night, and I loved it. It was so fun, like it was just great seeing your friends, and then becoming friends with so many of the people that worked there. Mm-hmm. Like I'm still friends with dozens of people, that have worked there over the past, and it's so great seeing them be successful and them strive to be great. And then it's also fun to hire a busser that I've known since they were born. No way, you know, and just like, oh, I've oh that's been cool. hanging out with your mom and dad for X amount of years, and which I think means I'm getting old, which is okay.
0: Well, maybe by age, but not by you know what you do in life.
1: Yeah, still very mature. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, you're still very mature. <laughs> Immature. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's make sure everybody heard yes. him. <laughs> part on that. That's important. <laughs> all right. So you've started this Thai restaurant that is all about playing hip hop and showing kung fu movies. People are saying, turn down the music. Mm-hmm. You're like, no way. Give you kudos, man, for sticking up and saying, no, this is my atmosphere. Yeah. I make the food the way I want to make it because this is what I enjoy. I play the music that I like because I'm here all day, every day. And so... Enjoy.
1: And and now it's great because it weeds now with Yelp and all that good stuff on the internet, it weeds out people right away where you see them. We all see them when we work there as they walk in, they look around, they're very confused, maybe a little scared. And they just turn around and walk away, and it's like, all right, they didn't jive with us, and we probably, we might not have jived with them. Although sure. we're nice to everyone, it's just if it's not their thing.
0: Well, there's a place for everybody. Yeah,
1: walk down the street. There's always something else. We have so many not great the right restaurants place here.
0: For you to go, then don't give that place a bad review because mm-hmm. of that, because you didn't like it. Uh, well, I mean, it's one thing bad food, but if the atmosphere doesn't fit you, find the place that has the right
1: atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: and you then created some investors to start the restaurant. <laughs> I think yeah. They were happy with you,
1: yeah. I got one investor, Julie Zell, mm-hmm. and thank you very much. And she got me started, and she got paid off almost a year later.
0: But she was happy,
1: mm hmm. And then my buddy Ben Ray, who is uh Lori, I know it's Lori Waterhouse, although I know she's not anymore. Her son Ben Ray knew I was trying to start a brewery. This is like 2005, 2004. So he comes and wakes me up one morning at like you know, noon. He's like, Wake up, we're going to Pika's. You have a meeting with your first major investor. <coughs> I'm like, what? And so, take a shower. He drives me down there, and I meet. Right, you took a shower. Yeah, it had been a prior rough night. I was like 27, and so I walk into Pika's, and I meet this man. We shake hands. Like electricity ran through my body, and I just knew it right away. I'm like, wow, this is my guy. Um, his name is Jack Laffery, and he's passed away since, but he was the CEO of Hardy's International for a number of years and lived here in Jackson Hole when he retired and he took me under his wing and showed me all the things I needed to do to not all all the things but he gave me a good guideline of like this is what you need to do to get investors um, how to talk their language how to let them know that you can be trusted and so he'd send me home with homework and I would like research how to do call people that I knew like hey how do I do this and I'd come back to him with like here's my finished product what do you think and he taught me a lot about business and restaurants. And I was going to trade shows at that time on his recommendation. So I was going to the early brewers conferences in like 2004 was my first one. And he would take me to a dinner party and say, see that guy over there? I'm like, yup. And he'd tell me his life story, like in less than a minute. And he'd be like, all right, you have five minutes to get a quarter million dollars from him. <laughs> and I'm like, what? And I'd go over there and sure enough, every single person he sent me out on mm-hmm. invested in, uh, which was then called Chester copper pots and, uh, the
0: original, the yeah, original
1: idea. Yeah. Okay. And so we ended up buying the, uh, Pink Garda theater. So bought that. And then we didn't get the liquor license. I think I went to like a place that sells olive oil on the town square uh-huh. or one of those places. Someone got, it. Oh no, a snake, snake, river grill got one. Okay. And so that, that business dissolved Cause without, you know, we couldn't, I didn't want to try and compete on the town square mm-hmm. with a restaurant liquor license. Cause it's just, you can't do high volume, right? It's just no point to try and compete with the, the big places when you have to go make your margaritas in a back room. So then I had this wild idea. I was walking back with August from a snake river grill who just got a liquor license after the city council meeting. And I'm just like, man, congratulations. You got your liquor license for the grill. Like, what are you going to do? He's like, I'm going to retire. He's like, what are you going to do? I'm like, I'm going to sell my restaurant. And then I put my restaurant on eBay Uh and sold it. (laughs) It It's like a $250 flat fee. Blew my mind. And some kids from Detroit took it over for two years, and I just went and surfed uh, Indonesia and Australia.
0: And you ended up having to come back and buy that bag, didn't you?
1: Well, yeah, I guess I did. Um, Tie me up kind of a Dosu hot, do so well under their... Watch. Mm-hmm. I guess they played this game called World of Warcraft. Uh-huh. So they kind of got addicted to that. Oh, and then, instead of running a business. Yes. Yeah, so everyone was telling me they would just be hanging out in the office and playing World of Warcraft. Uh-huh. And, and uh, <laughs> so there was a deal since they had no credit history. My landlord had this clever idea. He said, Well, you can sell it to them because I just wanted it out of town. I was like, You know what? I'll never make it in Jackson. This town is just, I can't make it. I'm out. I'm going to go figure out something else. Mm-hmm. It's like an early life crisis. And my landlord said, Well, you know they have no credit history if you co-sign for their for their lease you can you can go and i'm like yeah whatever it takes here uh-huh. here's my signature so if they didn't pay rent two months in a row i automatically got the space back Ah. two years ago i get a call from my landlord he's like you want your space back i'm like see you in a week so so you didn't have to buy it back from him nope just had to pay it back the back rent <laughs> That's not a bad deal. It was superb. Yeah. Except I was broke and. Uh, we surfed. Yep. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I was having a lot of fun for two years and lived in New Zealand for six months. Met a lot of great friends. Really learned, really got my surf game a lot better mm-hmm. to where I could almost surf like a snowboard, like almost. Okay. And then got back here, forgot how much fun snowboarding was, and got a snowboard all April. Took the restaurant back in like May 2008. And yeah, it turns out people weren't coming to tie me up anymore mm-hmm. I just figured oh, I'll just come back and it'll be like normal but this town's so like so much so much transient mm-hmm. like culture that people didn't know who I was or what time me up was they just knew it was that place that was kind of hit or miss and so I went on to work like every day in the kitchen for at least a year I think I did 153 days in a row once just because I was determined like we're gonna make this food so good that everyone's gonna come back and I was living in the restaurant And it was just, you know, I couldn't afford anything. Once again, my buddy Ben Ray came to the rescue and loaned me a thousand dollars to repaint the interior. And yeah, I was just living there and mountain biking a little bit and hanging out with reconnecting with all my old friends in the community. And then I kind of knew I was going out of business. Like this is it. I can't do this anymore. There's no money. I'm tired of living in a restaurant because you think it's cool living in a restaurant but then all night when the coolers are turning on uh-huh. and off, on and off, and the compressors are coming on and off. It's kind of loud. You hear everything. Yeah, yeah, you hear everything. So, yeah. and then, uh, yeah, I decided I had this 1978 um, Mercedes station wagon, uh-huh. and I figured I'm gonna sell this, put the money into a homebrew system, and start a brewery. Because mm-hmm. every other brewery I tried to start, I don't know, it was like millions of dollars.
0: So the car was worth a
1: homebrewing system. <laughs> yep, six thousand dollars. <laughs> Yep. so I had a truck once that traded for a ton of hay. Mm-hmm. Good yep. trade. It was hard to get home because you had to like drag it home. <laughs> <But> like, <laughs> you're like, I should have kept the
0: truck. No, I sold the truck, and then they traded it for a ton of hay for their horses. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 77 Ford 250. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And uh, we actually have one of those behind the restaurant right now. It's an 82. Okay. Yeah, it barely works, but if you ever want to borrow it. Cool. Get some hay, whatever. Thank you. It's there. It's got a lift, lift gate, and everything. Nice. Um, Yes, I sold that. Got the homebrew system. Started brewing. Mm -hmm. And as you know, Snake River Brewing wasn't making IPAs yet, so I just started making IPAs because that's what I like to drink.
0: In the restaurant. Mm -hmm. Okay.
1: And I was making beer legally there, like in the early two thousands, and just selling it to friends. Uh huh. And then I'd never thought about going so small, about getting a twenty gallon system. I was always looking at getting big systems and I was like let's just start from scratch let's just do what I can do it's my lifelong dream and my passion let's make it happen any way possible so we you can go to the brewery now tie me up it's 180 square feet there is no room our brewer right now Justin piece of paper can barely fit through yeah he's yeah. like ducking under stuff and it's you get bruises on your hips if you don't move the right way cuz uh-huh. just run into run into uh, valves and whatnot yeah and we just started brewing and Next thing you know, people started coming back and it just snowballed. And next thing you know, we're people are loving our beer. Yeah, it's a good feeling.
0: Um, let's do a quick break for a word from one of our sponsors. And then we'll be right back to start hearing more about how you escalated the brewing (laughs) world. Yes. Yeah. you blew it up. Teton County solid waste and recycling wants to remind you to use those recyclable bags whenever you go shopping for groceries or other stores around town. Reusable bags are good for the environment and your wallet. That's because you don't have to buy bags from your retailer. Wash your bags frequently and bag your own items whenever possible. We've already helped remove millions of single-use plastic bags from the waste stream. Now, let's reduce the amount of paper bags purchased. Helpful hint, just put some reusable bags in the trunk of your car. Food waste composting, in addition to yard waste composting, is available at the Trash Transfer Station Facilities. Call 733-7678 for up-to-date hours of operation. Jeremy, welcome back. We've just started talking about you starting your nano brewery mm-hmm. in Time Me Up. You probably took over where you were sleeping. Yeah. So you sold your car for a few thousand dollars then you had to go find a place to live, but you start making IPAs, and you said Snake River wasn't making IPAs at that point, but what was unique about your IPA that you were making compared to other people?
1: Yeah, great question, because if if you're familiar with the brewing process, what we do now, or what what we did then is normal now, Mm -hmm. but back then was not considered normal. It was considered a waste of hops and a waste of time, and we basically just put all the hops in at the end of the boil. Uh, we boil for an hour. we put put bu- way too many hops in at the very end where most breweries historically have put hops in at the beginning and then 30 minutes into the boil they put hops and then 15 minutes into the boil they put hops. We just put all the hops in at the very end after the boil was done. And it just wasn't there was maybe two or three other breweries probably in the world that were doing that at the time and that's kind of what made us different. We uh, were making good beer and a lot of people say we disrupted the industry because we came in with a little bit of pizzazz and beer that was from the future because nobody was making that kind of beer. Now you can find it everywhere. Mm-hmm. But it was called a West Coast IPA. And that's, uh, that's kind of what gave us our big start is I remember in Jackson, people were drinking our beer. And some guys said our hops were too young, which is silly because they all go through the killing process and we all get the same hops in the industry. And another guy said that the only way we could make two by four, which is our double IPA 10 percent, is by adding vodka so the rumor was going around that we were adding vodka to our beers to make them that strong no and, way. and we were, people were kind of hating on our beer a little bit that didn't understand what we were doing and i totally get that because it was new and then the first great american beer festival that we entered which is like the olympics or the x games of beer it's where thousands of breweries enter their best beers to be judged in a blind tasting panel by um experts so i think it's this is like the 30th annual at that point and it takes place down in Denver. And the first Great American Beer Festival we entered, the third category, which is uh, fruit beer, we got a silver for chicha, 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 ch- cherry bomb. Mm-hmm. And that kind of blew our minds. We're like, whoa, that was cool. I can't even believe it. This is insane. And you're in this huge auditorium with like 5,000 people of your peers. And there's what? teleprompts everywhere, those big screens, jumbos, jumbotrons everywhere. And so you get to see all the action from your seat way back in the cheap seats is where we were. And then all of a sudden, the number yeah the top entered categories are IPA mm-hmm. every year they have been for like probably 20 years huh. so all of a sudden they get to IPA and they're like and the gold medal goes to uh, we were tie me up brewing back then they're like Melvin IPA tie me up and it just floored us there's three of us there me and, me one of our brewers and our manager it's like this is insane we just got a second medal and as we're getting on stage to receive our medal they announced the gold medal for the double IPA and that was two by four and so as i'm getting on stage we're getting a second medal in the most like entered category and no one knew who we were we like came out of nowhere and just kind of blindsided the industry mm-hmm. and we're on stage we didn't even have swag yet so <laughs> i see pictures of us and i i have someone else's brewery t-shirt on you know
0: sure you're yeah. supporting, i mean why not yeah. support another uh-huh.
1: yeah <laughs> and so we just it was like one of the best moments of my life at that point because all my dreams were kind of coming true. Mm-hmm. And then the next day I got my first call from an investor. Cool. That was like, I'm going to put some money into you. Like he called me, mm-hmm. like got my number and Congrats. And then everything just started and, going from there.
0: And then you went and got some Sharpies
1: and started um, making shirts in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Now, we did that at a lot of events. We'd get Haines T-shirts yeah. and just write Melvin Brewing on them and sell them for, like, 20 bucks. <laughs> People would buy them.
0: Yeah. And so it started as Timey Up Brewery. Mm-hmm. You had these signature items. Melvin. So where did the name Melvin come
1: from? Because now yeah. the name of your company is? Yeah, Melvin Brewing. Melvin Brewing. Nice prompt. Based out of? Alpine, Wyoming. All right. Population 728. Yeehaw. Uh, yeah, so Melvin's basically a front wedgie. <laughs> so... <laughs> It's like you pull someone's underwear over their face. Thought it would be funny. Kind of is still. I love it. Oh, but I did forget to mention when uh, Cadillac closed down, Mm -hmm. I was working with the owners of that spot to start a brewery with the Gill family Mm -hmm. to take over the Teton Theater. Yeah. So I'd like to apologize. I'm the reason that the theater closed down. Oh. But there's an awesome restaurant in there now. Yes. So everybody wins. Yes. Yeah. Everybody wins. And that's the day that deal fell apart was the day before we won all the medals. No way. Yeah. So all of a sudden the deal fell apart. I'm like my life's over. Mm-hmm. What am I gonna do? Next day we win all these medals. Next day someone calls me up and it's like let's start something. So it's just been so this like fun roller coaster ride of Jack Laffery teaching me like how to speak to investors, how to how to understand them, and how to get them to understand me. I'm like you're not always gonna get good investors. Like I can think of a lot of names, but. There's some that are just not, yeah, you, you don't care to talk to them or see them or.
0: What makes a good investor and a bad investor?
1: Um, I think good investor would be someone that's positive, mm-hmm. someone that can provide mentorship, and a bad investor is just someone that's finger pointing and accusatory and doesn't bring solutions to the table. And if they're a little bit douchey, that doesn't help. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we've been pretty lucky along the way with good investors.
0: So did you learn the hard way with a few investors that they were not positive, they weren't going to provide? Oh yeah. That you wanted, Mm -hmm. not like Jack offered.
1: No, yeah, Jack was solid. Mm -hmm. Like if we had something, if we had any failures or downsides, we just regroup and be like, okay, let's examine these. How do we make it better? How do we not do this again? Yeah. And so try not to make the same mistake twice.
0: Sure. A lot of times is my goal, yeah. For sure. And you said at one point you're number Melbourne brewing company is the number four fastest growing brewery
1: yeah in the first two years of operation In the first yep. is that how it's gauged well just that that's one we like because it makes us sound cool okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> and what does that mean in
0: terms of people listening as far as what your growth was that you would
1: want to share yeah i think we're 156 year two mm-hmm. so if you think about this I guess you made four cans the first year. Yes. (laughs) And you made, you know, a 36 back the second year. (laughs) I I think we can put it this way. So Snake River Brewing, which is one of my hero breweries, has a different model than we do Mm -hmm. because they have the pub. Yep, They're guaranteed money and tourists and locals all the time. Mm -hmm. Alpine, where we started our brewery because we got a state grant. Thank you, Wyoming. And state grant of $3 million to do all this, along with some investors. Our first year, we did 8,000 barrels our second year we did almost 20,000 barrels Woo-hoo. yeah and so this year we kind of maxed out we've done 23,400 last year and we just need a bigger facility and more space and a, a few more pieces of equipment that cost a lot of money but one thing we have done is we're using our good friends down at you went to brewing in Salt Lake City as a second brewery now okay so next in the next two weeks they're gonna start brewing some of our beer for us Cool as we try and find out how to put more space on our property
0: so i hope you guys continue growing mm-hmm. without being handcuffed to the space yeah until you figure that out
1: yeah like we were even up we were up 12 last year during covid which is pretty surprising mm-hmm. and yeah we just want to keep growing because we we pretty much grew as fast as we could the first two years and one thing we forgot to do was add some structure because like when you said i've been busy uh-huh. yeah i was on the road for five years straight. Just promoting. There was a time, I think in two thousand sixteen or seventeen. I only came to Jackson for like a total of six days. No way. Like I was all over the world. I was in, like, just promoting Melbourne and doing festivals and, you know, collaboration beers. Is your beer international? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: How many countries outside of the U.S. would you find
1: Melbourne? Uh, right now, I think it's Chile, uh-huh. parts of China, really, Thailand, Jackson Hole, China, Vietnam, and are also known as Vietnam. And, uh, sometimes in Norway, sometimes Holland, but COVID, oh, COVID kind of times, uh, cause we have distributors that just kind of call up mm. and be like, all right, we want some, we want a couple pallets. Okay. But Thailand's a big one that we send beer to regularly uh-huh. and, uh, Japan, we're like it's so funny we're big in Japan I just can't believe I said that on accident but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah we go there and do beer festivals and I went there and did a beer festival and snowboarded and our boy Travis Cook goes over there a lot he's marketing director so he'll go there and do festivals and you know we're a little avant-garde maybe a little different than a lot of breweries and so he'll show up at the boombox box Melvin boom box playing hip-hop with cans of beer in it in a in a Melvin onesie and just, you know, we'll rent tuba players that'll follow us around and play hip hop tuba songs, mm-hmm. like just having fun. Like, what can we do to have fun? Like, it's not a crazy party atmosphere. It's just let's make this fun. Mm-hmm. And so Japan, love Japan loves that. They're just like, who are these guys? And then all of a sudden they'll be following us around and we'll be getting to know them and hanging out with them. And maybe at times we've made a couple of beers with uh, Japanese breweries. And so one of the collabs we made, nobody spoke Japanese on our team and nobody spoke English on their team. So it was really fun. It was like really fun. Stayed out and ate sushi with them till sunrise and
0: a lot of sushi. To eat.
1: Yeah. It was like <laughs> It was probably good. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah, we we're catching it by hand.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and you guys started with only a few labels. How many labels do you guys have now have?
1: Oh man, must be like 20 in a regular year. Uh-huh. Cool. And then I think nine core beers. Okay. That you can get year round.
0: All right. Uh-huh. Yeah, we saw a little bit of it.
1: A little bit. Liquor store. Yes. Yeah. TLS. I always thought it was Teton liquor store.
0: Oh, god. For there, years. There was a Teton liquor store.
1: Oh, over by? It was next to Kmart.
0: Oh, Cy. Well, before Cy, that uh, guy Moynihan. I think Paul Moynihan. Okay. Is who had it for decades.
1: A little known fact. Ted that owns the bird uh-huh. used to work there. No kidding. Yeah. Okay. Did not know that. And he was a really good climber. Cool. Yeah.
0: Now he owns the bird and Plaza Liquors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, we love selling Melbourne beer at at the Liquor Thanks. Store, TLS.
1: Yeah, I believe you are our number one count in the in the world.
0: Are we really? Yeah. <laughs> Dang. That's special.
1: Thank you. Yeah, and then Time Me Up's the number one draft account in the world. Okay. Yeah.
0: I remember when you first started doing making beer at Time Me Up and it was like we'd put it on tap on a growler station and it'd sell out. It's like Jeremy, we need more beer. It's like I don't have more yeah, beer.
1: Yeah. I would drive it <laughs> I would drive it down there myself. Yeah. I remember those days we had Oh, those little rubber kegs. And yeah, it was really fun. We brewed beer at Grand Teton. The head brewer was nice enough to let us brew on their system back in like 2012. And it was just funny like a lot of the brewers that worked there at the time were laughing at us like, you're doing it all wrong. Everything you're doing is wrong. You can't use those ingredients. You're putting the hops in too, too late. You're using too many hops. And we weren't.
0: How many other businesses that have seen growth like yours and probably even more growth in different industries that. People said, hey, you're doing that wrong, but they stick with what they're passionate about mm-hmm. and they show everybody, hey, hey, I can do this right.
1: I am doing it right, now you yeah. wanna do it like I'm doing it. Yeah, It's like we disrupted the industry, Yeah, we really did. We came in and said this is the new way of doing things and the people that made IPAs, I mean, there's a lot of different kinds of breweries, just like think of a ski company or a snowboard company, mm-hmm. a lot of different ways to do it, but we kind of came in kind of like a LibTech. Or I don't really know ski companies, but as far as snowboarding, we came in and said, you know, what? we're going to do it our way. This is the way we do it. If you don't like it, you don't have to drink it. If you like it, you're probably going to love it. And it's worked. And, uh, yeah, we have some super fans out there and it's really fun to get their feedback and, and watch, watch our company grow. But they also like watch our fan base grow as well. Yeah. Cause we're starting to get people would have never expected. Cause we used to get like the beer nerds. Mm hmm that we're all about getting the rare exclusive stuff. Now it's like we're getting letters from people that got us in a grocery store hmm. and just can't believe how good the beer is. And thank you for, thank you so much for doing what you do, that kind of thing. And it feels really good. It let's our whole team know that we're doing something right. You know, it's only beer. We're not saving the world, but maybe we are. I don't know.
0: It depends on if you drink beer or not. Yeah, <laughs> you're beer drinking, you're saving the world. That's right. <laughs> if you don't drink beer, then no. Uh, you're probably not saving the world. With your progress that you've made, in life you've been able to maintain your lighthearted sense of humor you have a fabulous sense of humor thank you um you like you said let's just go have fun it's it shakes it up a little bit how do you feel that with all the pressure that has been presented to you because there's real pressure even though you have investors you still got to perform how have you maintained that lightheartedness let's just have fun hey i'm gonna go surfing for a month how do
1: you maintain that? And I'm only going surfing for two weeks. Okay. Yeah. Not a month. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. There's some. It got pretty dark there for a while. Actually, like uh, we were on such like a growth curve, going up, up, up. Mm-hmm. Then the market collapsed because all the. You know, when we started, when I, I think I was brewery like under a thousand when time Up was a brewery. Now there's like 8,500 breweries in America. Who? Oh. So people outside of say Jackson, mm-hmm. if say a liquor store like TLS. Outside of Jackson or outside of Wyoming, they're just gonna get new beers in all the time, right? They're not gonna have like, you know, there might be Deschutes one day you go in the next day There's no Deschutes mm-hmm. and three months later There's two shoots again because they just want the cool new stuff and we were kind of riding on our success of our West Coast beers and I don't think we adapted fast enough to The haze the haze craze and all the haze boys has the column mm-hmm. which is just hazy beers hazy IPAs. And so now that we do make hazy beers, we're making some, some of the best I've ever had in my life. Our head brewer Ian Fuller is just out of control when it comes to creating awesome, amazing beer. Um, I could go on and on about that, but you just have to try it for yourself. Like our new back in the haze, it's good. And if we would have started doing that a couple years earlier, we would have been able to be on the haze, haze wave, Mm -hmm. but we wouldn't have had the capacity. So we would have ran into the same problems of just kind of hitting our ceiling and so yeah, it got a little dark there. And I think just my nature is, you know what? I got like half my life left to live. This is not, whatever happens now, it's not gonna define me or stop me. So no matter what happens, like even if we went out of business tomorrow, I'd be like, sweet, now I get a chance to do something else. Mm-hmm. But since we're not going out of business tomorrow, I always gotta look ahead and be like, what can I do to make like not only my, my team and my coworkers happy and stoked, but to keep my still going And I think a big part of it is actually becoming friends with a lot of people that I work with because we have a, we actually, we we become really good friends, a lot of us. And throughout the company, there's different groups that have become really good friends with each other. And that right there is something very satisfying that keeps me going. Because then, I don't know, I guess I have a little bit more on my shoulders that I can't let them down. And I can't let them see me get down either. I mean, I can, but I kind of don't want to when times get tough. But yeah, we've had... Private equity's been sniffing around in the past, and we could have sold out in the first two years for like enough money where I could have actually afforded a house in Jackson, you know. <laughs> but at that time, I was like, "No, we're craft beer. I've been trying to do this for twenty years. Like, why would I sell for untold some millions of dollars?" And now the brewing industry is like, S- sh- "Can I say the word shit?" Shit. shit, shit, shit?
0: You've already said a few. Shit. <laughs> <other
1: words. laughs> oh, I have. Good. <laughs> yeah. Whoops. Just comes out. And uh, but now the brewing industry's done what it did because. The old way of, of buying a brewery was you just gave um the companies would come in and said how many barrels did you do a hundred thousand we'll give you a hundred dollars a barrel and you're like okay so ballast point did that mathematic equation mm-hmm. and they ended up with a billion dollars whoa and they think they just sold again like last year for like 20 million or something mm-hmm. like that so that completely changed the entire market it sold for
0: a billion first yeah and then resold for 20 million yeah that was a bad purchase.
1: Right? Bad purchase. Yeah. <laughs> and so that, so now the industry's completely changed and everything's off EBITDA. And so we, you know, we're, we're not in a position that we want to sell. And at the same time, we're just trying to figure out what's next, mm-hmm. you know, because we've, we've been making beer for the future for so long and being kind of cut off from the progressive coasts. East Coast and West Coast are kind of making all the cool beer. And we're just trying to do our own thing of making Awesome, cool beer too. So I don't know if that really answered your question.
0: I I got a gist. Okay. Uh, and you get to have a beer every now and then. Mm-hmm. I mean that helps too.
1: Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. again private equity sniff sniffing around again. Okay. Saw you PE people in Jackson get in line. Mm-hmm. I just want to ride on the jet yeah. once, just once. It's pretty cool. It to ride could even on a private plane. It could even be to Park City for all I care, yeah. and I'll bus back. Yeah. <laughs> a buddy
0: of mine, he had a plane out here, and he would rent it out and fly people places. And we went to Thermopolis once. Yeah. It's like a half hour flight. <laughs> the star flight the star plunge at the hot springs there. Awesome. God, it stinks there. hmm Yeah. Just the
1: sulfur. It's yeah, not
0: possible. It it's sulfur.
1: It smells like a uh rotten egg. Yeah, which is like a pilsner yeah. that hasn't gone through the proper right. uh, procedures. So
0: looking to the future, what historical past beers do you think you might want to bring
1: back with your own twist? Well, get this. Speaking yeah. of Ian Fuller, our brewer. Mm-hmm. Um, So there's this beer called a a Keller beer. Uh It's basically just an unfiltered Pilsner, Mm -hmm. which is a lager beer, which is brewed at cold temperatures. It's like very European, very European beer. He put a twist on it where he put modern day hops in it and made it like a juicy beer. Okay. And that beer is called Bohemian Rebirth. And you can actually pick it up at TLS as we speak. It comes in four packs, 16 ounce cans. Mm -hmm. It's fantastic. It's so good. It's so floral and just pungent but yet drinks crisp and clean like a lager I've never seen anyone else do it cool so it's like something we're doing and I don't know if the IPA boys will let let that style take over hmm but I can tell you like our whole crew has been drinking it for last nice. last two weeks now
0: well I'm gluten free I haven't had a beer in probably quite several months mm-hmm but I'm gonna go get one of those tonight yeah sounds good
1: you just sip it yeah I like it yeah
0: I love it and and one final question well my, not one final because Jack was so good to you. Mhm. What are you doing for other people who are where you were so, you know, 10, 15 years ago?
1: You know, I I tried my hardest and I hope I did a good job to help out the new cider company. Cool. As much as I could, Alex and those guys over there, they changed it. Okay. I cannot remember. I wish I could. All right.
0: Yeah, they started with one name, yeah. two brothers, right?
1: Mm-hmm, I think yeah. so. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: And so I are help. they making cider now? Yep. So it's going on tap next month mm-hmm. in at Time Up. We'll have a dedicated permanent handle okay. of our 20 taps that we have. One will be the local cider company. They
0: asked me several years ago if we would carry it to TLS. It's like, we'll, we'll give anybody a chance. Mm-hmm. You make it, we'll carry it, and we'll let the customer decide yeah. your success. It's not us. Mm-hmm. It's the customer.
1: Yeah, and I, I think as I get more time on my hands, mm-hmm. like that's what I really want to do is help develop because not everyone like my mind I'm a total dreamer not that organized kind of out there in space a lot but when I have a team that can see my vision and help help me reach that vision like that's what we've done on Melbourne. is like I get these ideas and then there's other people on the team that can execute like They're the implementers implementers yeah and they've like 80% of them have worked Mm-hmm. 20% of them would cost us a lot of money, but <laughs> <laughs> like, sorry about that investors. No, but it's all a learning process. And I think, yeah, just working with other people and mentoring other people. Cause I've been so lucky to have several mentors in my life in Jackson and outside of Jackson and I, there's another gentleman named Greg Wright that lives in Teton village that has been taking me under his wing the last few years. And I really appreciate it cause he's a finance guy mm-hmm. that doesn't have like the finance mind. So he's not gonna, he can talk to you in plain English. You break it down. Yep. Yeah. And just, you know, it's fun getting older and mellowing out a little bit and, and seeing the big picture. And so that's a great question because I helped out Alex and those guys at the new cider company. And I wish I could plug it right now, but they just, they changed the name and it's the first time I heard the new name was like a week ago. We'll put it in the show notes. Yes. We'll find it and
0: put it in the show notes. Yeah. But tell them we want to carry their cider at TLS. I will. Yeah. Tell them to go talk to Alex. Okay. Cause we'll, we'll support everybody and down at Marketplace too, Junction mm-hmm. on Marketplace. Totally want to support locals. Excellent. Building that up. Like Farmstead Cider. Just talked to Ian McGregor yesterday. Oh, cool. Yeah. And yeah, just harvesting fruit around here in the Valley. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jeremy, if people wanted to reach out and connect with you, what is a ideal way for them to connect with you?
1: Oh, I welcome all connections at uh, jeremy at melvinbrewing.com. Okay. Get a hold of me. If you have any questions or have a private jet there, give you a trip. Like I said, love to go on a private jet. (laughs) Even if I have to work. Uh Uh-huh. I will cater. Cool. You know? Just clean up after the party. (laughs) Yeah, I'll clean up after the party. (laughs) And then I will mock you for wasting all that money when you could have been saving children.
0: Yes. Well, maybe you fly someplace to save children. Yes. Yeah.
1: You can do that. That's a great idea.
0: All right, Jeremy. (laughs) Thank you for your time, man. It's been awesome. Appreciate it. Yeah. Keep making great beer, buddy. Thanks, man. Yeah. Bye. Bye now. Thank you for listening to episode 134 of the Jackson Hole Connection. I'm recording this right here in Death Valley National Park. Get out there and enjoy your national parks. It might be 100 degrees today, but I tell you what, seeing the beauty of this place is amazing. You can only do it by getting out there on your two feet. To find out more about Jeremy and Melvin Brewing Company and his Kung Fu antics, Look up the Jackson Hole Connection, episode number 134. Thank you, everybody, for listening today. And I sure hope to see you back here next week for the Jackson Hole Connection.